Hello and welcome to LOP Radio on YouTube or Imps LOP Radio Adventure if you're listening in podcast form. Uh, we are back once again for the final show before Wrestle Kingdom New Japan, so we're still on the New Japan train. Uh, my, my name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and uh, a column I took earlier today where myself and Sir Sam paired up to face off uh, Jeremy and Josh of Keeping It Strong Style in column form predicting Wrestle Kingdom this weekend. So if you want to go give that a read, it's four to 5,000 words long, as you can expect from a New Japan prediction column. Uh, but tonight, we are all about Wrestle Kingdom 14 and the emotions, I guess, in it. <laughs> Just a bit word it really, really well. Uh, so, this week is a return, a majestic return, as I've written in my notes, I might be putting it a bit over the top. <laughs> majestic return! Uh, it's time to talk some New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, I've roped in from Chairshot Radio... Uh, and back into kayfabe, it's Raycash. Have I lost Raycash? I think I have. Oh, wait. So, this is where the amazing... Th- I'm just going to disconnect him and call him back in. As I decided to go out live. Hooray, call. There we go. Hopefully we're in within a second. <laughs> That's lovely. <coughs> I think you can hear that. That's nice. Yep. Yeah. I just going to mute that for a second. <laughs> Don't have to hear this Skype theme going. Uh, yeah, so, best of Kingdom 14. I'm just going to bash through the notes again. So, 3rd of January, the end of year awards. There is still time to get in those final votes. That closes tomorrow. I'm currently recording this on the 2nd, so maybe it's closed by the time you're listening to this. But right now, it's, it's perfectly fine. Just go in and do it, like, last minute. So, still time to get in those final votes. And we've so so far on this show or on this kind of series of shows, we've done a formal run of the card with uh, Jeremy Josh of Keeping It Strong style uh, doing a more yeah, formal run of the card, a deep dive into the stories of Wrestle Kingdom with Sir Sam. But this week, it's about us. It's about the fans, the emotion of the occasion, what we're hot for and what we're not. This is about us. How are we feeling? <laughs> How are we feeling about everything? And uh, just hopefully I get Rance back in a second. <laughs> so I don't have to multitask, which I'm really bad at. Oh, wait a second. Right, okay, Rance has just lost his internet. <laughs> he just messaged me. Right. right, I will procrastinate for a second. <laughs> Till you're... Till you're good. Oh, this is... Order me. Right. Right, so I started off horribly the new year. <laughs> new year internet. I just noticed I'm peaking as well. If I sound a little bit different, I've got like a sound wall thing that blocks or block all ambience. It's the anti-sound thing. <laughs> Whatever it's called. It's a fancy little wall thing. So I might sound a little bit different. I don't know. I've not actually tested it. I've just put it up now, covered up half my monitor because I don't have that big a desk. <laughs> but it's there now. So, uh, yes. Anyway... I just realised out loud I said I would be procrastinating a little bit. But I can easily talk about, I guess, some of the lower down the card stuff. This is, again, all about 
the, uh, I guess the emotion of it towards the fans. Again, we've done the formality of the card, we've done the stories going into Vessel Kingdom, the deep dive into that. This is about us. How are we feeling going into this? And, like, really, for me, I'm really, pretty damn excited. It's, Vessel Kingdom is one of those where sometimes I'll be really excited for, for ages beforehand. Like, it, it doesn't take much. And now we've got properly excited. I am just checking that. Vance is here now, question mark. Hey, guys. How oh, you doing? There we go. <laughs> there we go. Oh, I'm a pr- procrastinated like a professional by out loud, re- out loud just telling people what I was typing. <laughs> that counts as <laughs> What's up, man? How you doing, man? Oh. This is the post-New Year, post-Christmas. I am currently really enjoying life because I've taken time off from the wrestling world. I've disconnected from watching stuff aside from like the odd clip on YouTube. I've not watched anything. I think I caught... Uh, I've downloaded... Uh, not downloaded. I've got access to the fight thing <laughs> for AW. I like the two-hour version where it doesn't go to split screen or anything. And, of course, I need to watch it ahead for my own show. Um, so I've got that ready to go, but I've not watched it. I've not watched NXT. I've not watched NXT for like over Christmas either. <laughs> like I'm really behind on everything. Are you meant to be a a, a fan imp? <laughs> like, no, I'm just <laughs> like I need a time. I don't know what it's been like for you, but keeping up with everything has been like a bit much, and I've been like really happy for these like like three weeks off over Christmas and New Year's. It's a bit much. It is, um, and I'm one of those idiots that watches everything <laughs> so it gets a little difficult but um you just got to prioritize your time and like i don't watch nxt and aw on the same night so i'll normally watch nxt that night and if i'm up for it i'll try to watch aws afterwards but normally i watch it on thursday uh but it's just it's too much and it's been it's like you said yourself it's been such a welcome break because over these past couple of weeks i've barely paid attention to anything yeah like it'll be on the tv but i won't be paying attention so, you know. Yeah, it's even as mega fans, we like to kind of step back a bit. <laughs> Just take a little it's, bit of time off. It's good for your mental health. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Especially in today's age with social media as well. It's really good to disconnect from that. And just like step away, like as well being in Britain, we had the election just before Christmas as well. So just to get mm. away from everything, it's been really, really nice. And just drink ourselves merry. <laughs> that, that's a great point. That's a great point. I, did, I, I, I forgot about that. But yeah, the world is kind of crazy. And you would think that our little world would be kind of a sanctuary, but our world isn't a sanctuary anymore either. No. So. <laughs> oh. And don't worry, uh, my country may have had the crazy election stuff, but it's your turn next, so suck it. It's <laughs> a very good point. We got to hear this nonsense, so thank you. <laughs> anyway, we're not going to deep dive into politics because we want to be happy <laughs> at the end of tonight's show. <laughs> uh, tonight, so as I've already talked about, it is the emotions of us, the fans, coming into the show, how are we feeling about everything. I've given Rance permission. Sorry, I meant to. I've, last time I couldn't stop saying his uh, kayfabe name, <laughs> and now I can't stop saying his actual name. <laughs> oh. I've got it in my notes to call you like Mr. Kayfabe and he's back into Kayfabe. It's Kayfabe Ray Cash. <laughs> I'm doing yes. none of it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's uh, Kayfabe Ray Cash. I'm going to say it so many times I'll bloody remember to do it in this in this version. <laughs> talk, <laughs> talk, I've given him permission to go off on his feelings with Naito and everything because that is what this week is all about. 
how are we feeling going into Vessel Kingdom in terms of the things we like, the terms of the things we don't like. Uh, this is the show to let it all off, to get it all off our chests, or to be just really, I guess, deep diving into how excited we are about it as well. So, I'd say don't go too crazy off the bat. <laughs> no, yeah, things. yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. But what I... are your genuine, like, general feelings going into Vessel Kingdom this year? Uh, in terms of the show, I, I couldn't be more. I couldn't be more excited. I I love the prospect of building to a two night crescendo because it gives you so much more room and more rope to play with than normally. Because normally with the show, especially a super card, you know you got six or so hours to mess with the crowd. Once the show is over, we're all gonna be waiting for tomorrow or the next day. You know what I mean? Or in, if you want to be real, New Year's Dash. So like, mm. Ghetto has us literally on the palm of our, on, in the palm of his hands right now. In terms of the main event and the Naito situation, I am terrifyingly optimistic, and that's ter- and it's terrifying because I don't want to be optimistic because I know what's going to happen. I know how this is going to end up for me, but uh, I am. You know, the one thing, uh, and I guess this could kind of, if you want to delve into like a little more in depth. I've really been trying to uh, watch a lot of the videos on their YouTube or on their Twitter, which is where I see most of them, kind of the build-up videos. And I forgot that the entire reason the double champion even became a thing was because Naito kept saying he wanted to do it. And they keep bringing that up. And that scares me because, (laughs) you know, it's like a red herring almost. Um so I, I am very optimistic, but I'm terrified. And all four are deserving. But, man, we've been on this long road with Naito for two, three years now. So, well, Even if it's if you're being more crazy, uh, with the initial championship match all the way back in 2014, uh, with yep. uh, Naito winning the G1, uh, I personally started watching in 2014. So I tuned in when he was halfway through his descent into madness, essentially. <laughs> where he was, he had lot. He'd lost his main event. He lost his championship match at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. WrestleMania, Jesus. <laughs> at Wrestle <laughs> Kingdom, uh, he'd then gone off to Mexico and come back for the G1 Climax. That's when I tune in. G1 Climax. He's getting booed, and I don't know why. Because at that time as well, like one of the hot wrestlers in America was Jeff Hardy. Oh shoot! As I kick my tea about, yes. Yeah, so at my t- at the time, one of my favorite was Jeff Hardy, and he was big in TNA at the time. Mm-hmm. And I saw Naito, and I knew because uh, TNA and New Japan had worked together in the past. It didn't end very well, but <laughs> but it um, yeah yeah that's actually relevant now, but not for us. <laughs> <You know what>? <laughs> <laughs> but if anyone wants to know what talk about, just hit me up on Twitter. <laughs> I will happily talk about it, but it's not relevant to our topic. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so. Naito was getting booed, and I didn't really know why, so I went back and watched Wrestle Kingdom, and then I watched the story as well. Uh, Showbuckle has done a really fantastic video on Naito's history as well in that time. I think at that time it was in the build-up to Okada Naito 2 at Wrestle Kingdom. Mm. So, uh, it was, yeah, so him around that time was a really interesting character. So I some, saw somebody who was a lot like Jeff Hardy, and also similar to Jeff Hardy at the time, was getting booed. And I couldn't quite see why because he seemed like he had all of the tools he was just getting booed for some reason mm-hmm. I don't know and then of course he goes away to Mexico and when he comes back he's wearing a mask 
and like immediately my western brain my first kind of uh, association I made because again going back a few years so, uh, uh, my first thought was oh like Shia LaBeouf <laughs> he put the bag on his head oh, oh, oh no <laughs> <laughs> so, that's hilarious it's really funny now because <laughs> obviously like no <laughs> no he's not Shia LaBeouf <laughs> no but like he came back and like people didn't know what to think like the reaction was quiet but like a really good kind of quiet compared to when he walked out to like his final looking with uh, Okada before Wrestle Kingdom where we could hear a pin drop, and he's meant to be the challenger for the world title. Uh, like that was a bad sign. But then he went yeah. away, and he came back, and he was just like you couldn't take your eyes off him. Like what was he doing? And then he it's when he was in his full white suit, and he's got a, the big Lij mask on as well. Uh, that he takes it off, and he's just kind of emotionlessly staring at the crowd. He takes his time getting in the ring, like kind of like pissed off at the crowd. Like you waste my time. I'm going to waste your time and take 10 years to get to that ring. <laughs> like the Undertaker-style thing. Like, so for me, that was my introduction to Naito. And I would say it's over like a really slow amount of time where I slowly got to understand what on earth was going on. And since, like, since that moment when he started to form LIJ, he was such an interesting character. And it really didn't take long for the New Japan fans to completely flip and get right behind him. And now look where he is. Like the hottest faction in, the, I think in terms of like merchandise and selling in Japan, Lij are the best selling out of every faction, and they're one of the best they've had of all time in terms of merchandise and, I guess, ticket sales come into that as well. So it's not just you, Rance. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of people uh, riding the Naito train who were pretty pissed off after the last one. Um, me personally, I was one of the people. Like, if you listen to Keeping It Strong Style, and. Uh, I want to say other podcasts have said it as well, but I can't be very specific. But I know they definitely have. Uh, with the thing of, this is the kind of joke of, ah, oh, no, Engado we trust. He's, he's got a plan. <laughs> I'm just going to have to ride it out for a few years. <laughs> this will be fine. He'll get his yeah. opportunity. And this is like the third year on the trot where I'm saying this is Naito's year. So I'm with you that this time I really want it to be him. <laughs> I said it for the past like two, three years <laughs> that this is his year. I'm saying it again this time. It, 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 the story's built too well for it not to be this. And like it's always in the back of your head. Well, what if it's either too late? It's not his time anymore. What if they go with something else? What if somebody new has come along, be it like JY or Ibushi? What if one of yeah. them wins on night one and mucks up all of the plans in everybody's head? <laughs> it's just a prediction stuff. So. But you know what? I'm a bit conflicted because hmm. I'm I'm team I'm team team Naito 100 percent, 100 percent. But I do feel like this whole double champion two Wrestle Kingdom nights situation has devalued Abushi and his G1 Climax win um, because it's not all about him as it would have been. And um, the one thing I appreciate about, well, of many, I appreciate about New Japan is they really build their G1 winner up. Whereas WWE, the Royal Rumble winner might not even be in the last match of the night. It's just one of the main events. They build their G1 winner up. Um, And also... Switchblade is doing some of the best work mm. in the business. And for a heel of that magnitude to win both belts and be the first guy to do it, he'll live off that for the rest of his life. <laughs> so, like, it's I, like I, I, I almost feel bad in a sense that there are honestly two better options than Naito. It's just they've pushed and they've pushed over him and passed over him for so long that it feels like if not now, then Will it ever happen? Yeah, it's 
Jay White's rise has been like in terms of like looking at Naito, his rise has been really interesting because he's had the I guess similar push to what Okada had with uh, yeah. Gado who gets right behind him and gets rocketed to the moon and wins he gets impressive wins really early on and then obviously Okada's first win wasn't impressive but the second one was <laughs> that's my, watch his debut yeah. it's it's funny now that's not a rainmaker clothesline <laughs> I don't know what that is <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah so similar kind of rises with similar things he got that for me it all clicked when he became Bullet Club leader last year and he uh, turned on the chaos faction Everything clicked, and it wasn't for me. Uh, him becoming world champion was really good, but in terms of Bullet Club becoming his, like the debuts of uh, El Fantasmo and especially Kenta, they've mm-hmm. really worked. Like Bullet Club's really got an identity again. Uh, God, were pushing that hard from the start. Like we're going to go back to our Bullet Club roots because we are the uh, BC originals. Kind of go back to that kind of style they were doing, but it wasn't really until Kenta and ELP came on board where suddenly the whole image clicked, and I've like, I've been really behind Bullet Club ever since. Really, it's just nice. We're in a weird era where uh, there's a lot of hate negativity about, uh, obviously. Uh, we're easily spread, easier spread more than ever. But we have got at least one, I guess, heel or bad guy that is legitimately hated by the fans in each like major company, which is awesome to see. <laughs> just that there is that consistency. I'm even including Impact with Sammy Callahan. Like Every promotion has one yeah. guy that the fans legitimately hate. And Jay White is... Another one where the fans in Japan hate him so much when he wins, before he does his speech, they will walk out in anger. Like, <laughs> that, he's that good. <laughs> and I'm not talking about, like, walk out in, oh, this is crap. Like, no, they are, they are generally angry. <laughs> like <Yeah>. he won. <laughs> yeah. That is just amazing to see. Like, even if I'm, if I'm ranking, like, I guess, Jay White, Baron Corbin, MJF, Jay White is obviously above MJF because... MJF, he, he can make people pissed off in the audience, uh, as I think showcased on this week's show. I've not really seen all of it. But mm-hmm. he doesn't make them walk out. <laughs> he's not that hated. <laughs> Jay White is. And for me, that is yeah. absolutely... And the fact that he's wrestling so well as well when you watch his matches. Like, I watched his match with Okada from last year's Wrestle Kingdom. His counter-wrestling is up there with Okada, and it's getting better and better because obviously he's so young. It would be a point where... In terms of counter wrestling at the end of matches, we might have two Okadas essentially <laughs> at that level. Uh, for me, that's crazy to think about. <laughs> Jay, Jay that's is, terrifying. Yeah, yeah, he's that good at that age. Like same, we're saying the same about Okada, like three, four years ago. He's that good at that age. Imagine how good he'll be in like five years. It's really impressed me this year. And and that's also the po- that's also the positive of them putting him in there mm. and having the trust in him with all these top stars at the very beginning of his run once he came back from excursion. Like, literally his first ever match back in feud was against Tanahashi yeah. at the Dome. Like, they believed in the dude. And that's, I think they're starting to see the fruition of their, or the fruits of their labor. Mm-hmm. Now, with him, of course he's easily the top gaijin, but like, he's essentially carrying the company in a sense. From one from one side of the spectrum, I mean, it's, it's Okada's company. We know that, and it's going to be for a while. But uh, Jay White is and, and Bullet Club is bringing in so much business from from a traditional wrestling standpoint, and and such that yeah, it's cool to just enjoy good wrestling. But he's making you feel something. Hmm. They're making you feel something. And whenever you do that in wrestling, you're are you onto a winner? Just keep driving it home. <laughs> and like for me. Uh, Jay, I hope Jay White doesn't win on night one because this for, it, it's one of those things where 
the, it's the Naito story that's been built up for so many years. That's what a lot of fans are kind of gravitating towards. And I've always held a New Japan as a promotion that rewards you for getting invested. So like, when you get into these characters, you will be rewarded for doing so. They won't be a swerve. They will get their moment. And this feels like Naito's moment. Okada had a similar arc where he stepped up, didn't win. Then he won the G1 Climax, and this, like, this is it. This is when he beats Tanahashi. This is, when, this is his moment when he takes the torch, and he lost again. And it wasn't yep. until the third time that he actually beat Tanahashi. So like, you kind of look at that formula, and I thought it would be something similar for Naito. But of course, his redemption hasn't been as quick, as uh, fluid as Okada's was. It's taken him a few years, as I was saying at the start. It's been like three, four, three years since his match with Okada, and six years since his first one. That it's been quite a long journey with lots of ups and downs in between, and last year defeating Jericho, year before Tanahashi, like he has had his slow road to that point, and yeah. this feels like it's his year purely because of everything that's gone by. If you look at it short term, he's not really had that good of a year. It's been I know fine, which <laughs> is. Uh, but like Lij is more popular than they've ever been, so obviously something yeah. is still working. Uh, like the group as a whole are incredibly popular, but Naito himself, you know, he's still he's one of the out of everybody in this. I guess four way the double dash. That's what it's, that's what it's called. For everybody okay. in the double dash, uh, he's the only one that's not had a fantastic year. Like Jay White, we already talked about amazing year. Okada as champion, he's back as the rainmaker. Shorts and all, he is back. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Kota Ibushi has finally arrived in the main event of New Japan after winning the G1 Climax. He finally well. signed a contract. Oh, he signed, he signed that long-term contract and immediately, <laughs> like, here's your push. <laughs> so, But he's kind of like Jay White, where it feels like, like he's had an amazing year, even more incredible by winning the G1 Climax, but it doesn't feel like this is his year. Him being in this kind of slot means a lot in terms of elevation and card positioning, just like it does Jay White. But again, yeah. just like his counterpart, it's just not his year. There's so much more going on that's been built up for so long that even though he's had a rapid rise and he's done really well to kind of slot into that point, it's not quite his year. So unfortunately, he falls into the Shinsuke Nakamura second fiddle, I guess. As in, he's in yeah. the yeah, like the match that steals the show, maybe like Nakamura did so many times at Wrestle Kingdom, not in the main event, but it be his time eventually. Just. Not now. The Nakamura memorial spot. Yes, I completely yeah. agree. Um, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I've really tried to play out the the ways that can go to see not only which one will have the best story and the best match, but which one will get the best reaction from the crowd and from the online community. Mm. So my question to you is, how would you feel knowing the rise and you laid out perfectly how Okada's rise um, to finally beat Tanahashi is mirroring Naito's to finally beat Okada? Hmm. How would you feel if if Naito beat Jay White, became IWGP Intercontinental Champion, goes to the Double Dash, but he faces Ibushi instead? Would the circle in the, and would it be complete hmm. if he goes that way or does it have to be Okada? I think it has to be Okada because, in terms of like putting hurdles in front of characters, um, in terms of the character arc to get over that hurdle, Okada is that thing that he has never been able to get over at the Tokyo Dome. Take that yeah. away, he wins, but he didn't beat Okada to do it. 
And in terms of fan reaction as well, I don't know if you felt the same, but in terms of the number of times Naito and Ibushi have faced each other over the course of this year, I felt yeah. a bit of fatigue from the crowd. Like, quite a few people getting like, yes, they're good together, but it's been too much too quickly. And this was a big break from them. I'd, I'd feel like they get the same reaction now, even though it's been like over half a year since they've uh, ever wrestled each other, aside from tag matches. It still feels too fresh in the mind. And I don't think it'd be received that well. Uh, I guess with um, Jay White as well, if Jay White beats Naito, you get Ibushi. It makes sense as the second fiddle match on night two. But as the main event, I'm still, it still doesn't feel like... It feels like too quick for their story, for them to both be there. And uh, yeah, I don't think Ibushi yeah. is the correct hurdle. If you're having Naito winning, that's another key part to that as well. <laughs> that's, the, yeah, that's, that's the key, which is I, I'd almost prefer prefer as a fan... Now this isn't me with my my sensical wrestling fan hat on. This is ridiculous wrestling fan rants, Ray speaking. But I'd much rather him lose night one if he's going to lose night two. Like don't don't do that to me. Don't build me up. Get me excited. Believing it's possible, and then Rainmaker one two three all over again. Like just let him lose, and let him steal the show in the second match. I'd rather that than because. So here's another thing I'd like to pitch to you, too, again. And I, I, don't, I don't want to take away your show or your format. But I think an interesting dynamic, if you, want to, if you want to go the route of Naito not winning, but keeping him relevant, wouldn't it be an interesting dynamic for LIJ to kick him out because he can't get that job done? So that was going to be like my next point. Um, if he, uh, he, even if he gets in the main event and he doesn't win, for me, that is his main event run like over. As it is, as yeah. him as like the LIJ, LIJ leader, uh, with him leading those guys and him being such a major act in the company. For me, if he loses, that's it. And you want to rule that out. You hear all of the reports of like him getting injuries and things and just not being 100% that guy to carry the company at this moment in time. Uh, it, hear those reports makes you worry a little bit. But yeah, for me, if he doesn't win, especially if he makes it the main event and loses to Okada again, that establishes that Okada is better than Naito, and Naito cannot beat him, and therefore he will never be number one. Uh, and uh, there's just not the time to build him back up again because he'd need another fair few years to do it. And <laughs> it's like, oh god, how many years you got? <laughs> <laughs> and by that, time, we're already calling for Sanada in Evil to take over in terms of like going up the card and climbing that ladder. Like, if we're already calling for it, the two or three years it would take to get Naito back to that place, like, it's not worth it. <laughs> He's, for me, he would be dead in the main event scene if he loses. If that's the story they want to tell, that's the story they want to tell. He's openly said he'd like somebody in his own faction to, like, just essentially kick his ass and take over. Because that would yeah. really show how much they want it. Like, he's openly said that. He's set that up in interviews. That means, in your head, you like, at some point, it's going to happen. <laughs> the question is when. <laughs> and losing on this scale would be that moment. But it conflicts with like what I was saying earlier with New Japan. More often than not, they will reward their fans for getting invested. And this would be so strongly against that, that <laughs> I'm kind of going in with blind faith for Gado here. <laughs> like, well... <laughs> I have I have my typical Westerner uh, I'm, I'm, my skepticism, so I I very honestly and openly can admit that Gato nine and a half times out of ten gets <laughs> yeah. it right. He is the most consistent booker in wrestling, consistent wrestling history, recent wrestling history. 
easily. Mm. But he's still a booker. And they have a, a, a propensity to play with the crowd, which I love. I normally love. It's just this is what there's only two guys who I'm so emotionally invested in that, like, you can work me like anybody else. Everybody else, I'm, you know, I, I see it. I step back from my smart mind. But Naito and Roman Reigns, like, you can work me all day long. <laughs> I, like, I, I, know, I, don't, I know it's coming, and I'm still going to get worked. <laughs> I'm just thinking this year is probably like the worst for you <laughs> in terms of. Oh, guys it's, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> After this, it only gets worse with Reigns being tipped for the Rumble. <laughs> Your vote is going to be very interesting. <laughs> and the Rumble's in Houston, so I'll more than likely be there. Oh, even even bigger, <laughs> even yep. bigger year for uh, Ray Cash. Oh. Yep. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, the only thing with Gato, I'll just always remember to point out is. Remember the original Bone Soldier? Just that was one of his. <laughs> That's what we meant mm. by nine, like nine point five out of ten. That was the point five. <laughs> it does happen. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Fair point. <laughs> uh, and like the in terms of like other parts of the card, there are like some not as much momentum when it comes to the main event. Though New Japan, norm like in this era, they've delivered time and time again. Even if they, like, last year, I didn't really go in with that much, I guess, hype behind it in terms of my personal viewing of it. But I still really enjoyed the show. I still was <laughs> excited for it. I just wasn't as excited as I was for, like, the mega clash of Naito and Okada, where that felt like the Rock versus Steve Austin levels of the number one and two. Obviously, Omega versus Tanahashi wasn't that. Yeah. Tanahashi more in that Shawn Michaels... Uh, or no, Bret, Bret Hart, I guess. More in that Bret Hart protector of the era kind of role. Um, yeah. And then there's the rebel in Kenny Omega, I guess, who's against that style. Just realise it's Steve Austin versus uh, Bret Hart, <laughs> which didn't main event. I, mean, I don't know if that's important to point out or not, <laughs> with uh, comparing this as the main event. It's for, I, just thought of, I just thought of it now. I don't know if it's bollocks. I'll realise when I listen to it back. <laughs> I can't believe I'm an idiot or not. <laughs> Wait and see. But, yeah, I, yeah it, did, it didn't feel the same, essentially. But The Rock and Steve Austin are still there all these years later and now they're both in this double dash and you got to look, you just look at it and think, oh, they are both there. I guess it's like if you had at WrestleMania, oh, is it 19, the one with Lesnar Angle in the main event? Uh-huh. If you had, I guess, the, uh, not the two-time match, if you had Angle and Lesnar in there but then you also had The Rock and Steve Austin and they did this, essentially... You've got the guy who's somewhat established himself in Kurt Angle's, like a really awesome guy. You've got the newcomer with a lot of momentum in Brock Lesnar slash Jay White. Uh, then you've got the two established main event guys. You'd still probably put your money behind the two established guys making it to that final and the other two is like, oh, but it's good experience for you. <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Now, obviously, I'm talking about an absolutely stacked roster at the time. So there's even more people you could put in, <laughs> like six or seven more people you could put into that double dash at that WrestleMania. It is insane to think about now. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I've drifted off quite a lot into random topics there. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. This is the one. This it's is the right. one, yeah. <laughs> this is a show where we can get everything off our chests, <laughs> how we're feeling. Uh, but yeah, my faith in Gado is there. In Gado we trust, in all capital letters and in italics, <laughs> Gado we trust. He's, he's that long-term kind of booking where, in terms of bouncing back and forth from America to Japan, it it's quite... It, you feel a bit destabilised when you go back from one to the other. 
Like, it really takes me a couple of weeks to readjust to Monday Night Raw after I've had my Wrestle Kingdom week in New Japan. It just takes me a minute. Just because the, the booking, yeah. I guess, methodology and the way they do it is so different. Like, it's, like one is um, we will make sure you know the story, and there's, and we'll we'll tell it to you just so one hundred percent you know what's happening. In New Japan, they'll do it so subtly sometimes you won't even notice it's happened until someone's pointed it out. Both have their pros and cons. <laughs> it's just, I, don't, I hope you've done quite well describing that there, but um, it's a little yeah. Bit, yeah. It takes a minute to rebound and get back into the groove of things because they're so different. But that obviously means us as Western fans, when we go into that uh, Japanese booking style, we bring with us that Western influence, the Western way of doing things, and we can look at the same card, but book it with our Western brain. And our Western brain's like, oh, but what if this happens? Oh, what if that? <laughs> That'll be a swerve. They do swerves all the time in wrestling, but do they do it in Japanese wrestling? I don't know. <laughs> they do it in America all the time. It, um, yeah, you rebound about all over the place. It's like a Western fan. <laughs> um, I've done that for the... <laughs> The entire card, like five times over. Yes, <laughs> oh, with especially with us as like people who put out creative stuff out there. Um, yeah, the amount of uh, either card predictions and things I have to fill out. There's tournaments as well. I also enter because I'm crazy. But <laughs> like as I was saying today, a prediction column went up for uh, Vessel Kingdom, and then I'm doing this as well. It is, yeah, is. I get to reaffirm what I'm thinking and also doubt myself quite a lot. Because <laughs> it'll be, well, what do I think about this? Again, do I still think it? I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? <coughs> but yeah, in Gator We Trust, Naito's had that build. I feel like it'll be really weird to go against that. Uh, talked about Ricardo, talked about... For me, the weird... I don't know what you feel about this. For me, the, the one that sticks out more than anyone, it isn't Jay White. For me, it's Ibushi. Purely because he is the yeah. only one where I can't I can't see what is in his immediate future after this. Like especially if he loses that first match, what does Abushi do next? Does is he lost for a little bit like Okada was when he lost his title? Uh, he's the only one where it's not a very clear future. Whilst everybody else, they could kind of see where they could go after Vessel Kingdom. Yeah, I, I'm with you, um, and I think that's. That, but it's typical of Bushi though, because Bushi always has kind of been like a, like a leaf in the wind. You know, he's <laughs> always like, kind. Yeah, of, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think that's interesting, and I also think that of all the four, let's say Abushi ends up not winning and not making it to the double dash and being in the second match, and he's gonna steal the show because I mean he's amazing. But he ends up with no title at the end of it. He's the only one that has a legit claim to say hey i never got my i never got my real shot i mean i know i had my match but like y'all pulled this on me out of nowhere hmm. so i i could see abushi being the next guy for whoever <clears throat> excuse me is the champion it well it can't be okada obviously because if he if okada wins it all like okada always wins it all he beat abushi clean and so that's it hmm. uh but if it is jay or naito i can see abushi being that first challenger um, but yeah, other than that, from a storyline perspective, there's nothing there. So maybe he's the step up guy. Maybe he's the guy that somebody uses to step up. What if we get? What if Kenta beats Goto clean and and be, you know and hopefully doesn't hit Shibata, but you know basically puts his dominance and Kenta steps up to face Ibushi. Mm. That's something different, right? Yeah, it, we it know Abushi's not above. The, he's not above the never title. So, 
Like it wouldn't be difficult to kind of position Ibushi as that, I guess, New Japan hero slash defender, especially as Tanahashi kind of maybe winds down at some point over the next decade. <laughs> I can limit it down to that. <laughs> if he winds down <laughs> over the next decade, <laughs> is, real quick, real quick, mm. is the match between him and Jericho is it signed in the actual contract that if Tanahashi loses, he retires, or is yeah. that just Jericho saying oh. he's going to do it? That's just Joko saying it. The only yeah. additional thing that's been added to all of the promotion it's properly... It's a title match. It's a title match, yeah. Which okay. adds a lot on top of a match that was all of it. I feel like this is us uh, transitioning, so uh, goodbye main events. We've talked about you for quite a long time, to be fair. <laughs> like 40 minutes. Um, yeah. Yeah, so Tanahashi Jericho with the AW Championship. For me, that was... It was just a little bit startling just because like hearing reports of uh, how badly... It was handled, I guess, from the AW side, whilst the New Japan side was like, what did you think was going to happen? It's one of those where I feel like in a few years it'll be quite funny to hear them talking about it, because it feels like they might have been a little bit naive, where when you look at it in hindsight, they might find that story a little bit funny after all of the stuff they've learned by running running the show every single week, which is, again... You see how mental it is when you see AEW trying to do it and you see the little things yeah. that get dropped and things that don't quite click into place and suddenly it's like, oh, there's a lot of plates spinning on this thing. <laughs> suddenly it makes sense that there will be things that fall through the cracks. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, I read those interviews with them basically feeling like they did. They were kind of done wrong, for lack of a better term, by how they left the Japan and Ring of Honor. And somebody put a tweet out that made me really reminisce. And I was like, and it made me remember, but they literally announced AEW outside of the Tokyo Dome. So, like, what are you talking about? Like, what else were they supposed to do? They were supposed to give you the championship and say, thanks for being here. We'll build a new one? Like, no, they have to take care of the company. Like, I just assumed when they did all of that stuff, they'd gotten permission from New Japan. I just assumed they all knew. Because <laughs> it turns out, yeah, so, me too. Like it's just such a massive shift to do that, and now we know as well that New Japan were planning their expansion into the US, and for the guys that they so, built up to yeah. carry that, <laughs> to as in they turns out the elite guys were one hundred percent correct that they were hot enough to carry their own promotion. Obviously, New Japan had oh, yeah. also noticed that, <laughs> but their wheels take a their their wheels don't particularly spin especially fast as they've proved with their expansion in the US. With this, this might have been. I guess the ball that got dropped, the fact that they were dribbling so slowly. Um, I, I stuck mm. with the metaphor there. Well done, me. <laughs> but they <laughs> good job. <laughs> so yeah, th- that might be the ball that they dropped. Was that they took so long that the wrestlers got so hot by themselves that they didn't need New Japan and they could go off by themselves. And essentially, now this is a promotion highlighting what the indies were in America. Uh, I guess in that time that Young Bucks and the Elite were white hot on the indies, they lifted up the indies with them. Now on national television. It's and yeah, New Japan lost their ball. I don't know if that's partly because they took so long that they were able to do that, or if they did such they did too good a job. <laughs> they did so good a job <laughs> that Kenny Omega sold out a Ring of Honor show with his name alone within minutes, which is like it's one of those amazing. Look, yeah, when you look back on it, like for me, that was the moment where everybody started to realize, oh, there's there's something here <laughs> in terms of like an outside WWE yeah. force. Um, yeah, their their biggest house, by the way. Oh, big the biggest house that one was it? Yeah, their biggest ever. Uh, oh, on the name of one dude, Ring of Honor. <laughs> that is mental. Uh, and they, they would tell Madison Square Garden doesn't count, by the way. <laughs> Just that Kenny Omega one. <laughs> that is the one. 
uh, Madison Square Garden, you'd hear the commentators say, oh, look how much, Ring of Honor's uh, hotter than it's ever been. And I was just sitting there going, eh, it wasn't you though, was it? <laughs> it was, uh, you're more there for, I guess, the help and production and you you get half the show. Uh, New Japan, uh, you can tell by the crowd reactions, New Japan were like really who the fans were there to see. And it was... Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can really tell that just by how hot they were. Uh, take out how the matches were booked and the fans were a bit down on the Ring of Honor segments. The actual... By the entrances, who was hot for who? Aside from the Ring of Honor World Championship match, there was the reactions weren't that loud for the Ring of Honor guys. But the New Japans were heralded like gods. Even Jay White in the main event. <laughs> like a massive deal. To be fair, it was, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so... Uh, Tanahashi Jericho <laughs> we went into AEW it's still relevant <laughs> it counts <laughs> so yeah so when it actually got announced in by like Chris Jericho and they would they did they put out the videos New Japan with like AEW Championship written on it as well it's like oh crap this isn't just a Jericho statement like this is properly part of the build now they're generally going to include this because it's all over the promotion for the match that kind of took me back a little bit like is this just a well, it's, the other thing was I was thinking if anybody can rem- can mend a uh, can the company speak if anybody could mend a relationship in this way it feels like Tanahashi and Joko together they would be those men like, it's just they are both so highly respected that if they want to do it who the hell is going to stop them because <laughs> they are uh, like Tana, Tanahashi a, oh, sorry if, uh, you go no I'm sorry I just want to say that's a great point because. We we all know about the let's say tension. I'm not. This, I don't want to say anything worse than that. But the tension between New Japan and AEW, or the perceived tension. But yeah, Jericho and both both Jericho and Moxley having their contracts. Yeah, I'm doing New Japan whether you like it or not. Yeah. And Moxley signed with New Japan first. Jericho walked in AEW and said, "Hey, I'm still going to work with them whether you like it or not." So yeah, those are the two guys that and Tanahashi because he's Tanahashi. That you're absolutely right. Can can bridge that gap. And make things happen, whether it's supposed to or not. Yeah, and as a fan, as again, this episode is all about the feelings of the fans and our emotions towards it. That suddenly was like, oh crap! Well, I really want Tanahashi to win now. There's stakes in this, <laughs> just for that relation. Even if it doesn't even, I guess, involve any more New Japan wrestlers coming over to AEW. If we get that one match, that is massive, and I think the AEW fans will be just as hot for it as I would be in my living room watching it. <laughs> the same as that. it feels like there's so much weight to it now and it's kind of the reverse of what we see normally because normally uh, when Tanahashi wrestles at Wrestle Kingdom he's defending his uh, home well like Kenny Omega last year he was defending the home of New Japan against the western influence which is still a I guess major feeling in but from a lot of the Japanese fans is there's too much western influence today in New Japan but uh, Tanahashi is the defender of that come Wrestle Kingdom every year and this year's no different against Jericho. And Tanahashi losing, that's the Western influence defeating him. But if he wins, he then gets to spread the Japanese style into an actual American company on national television as well. So it's kind of like a double win for Tanahashi. But Jericho, he's now the one defending his territory from the foreign influence, which is it's like, oh, it's a lovely little double reversal thing <laughs> that's going on there. I really like that. <laughs> they haven't specifically said that, but it's one of those where those connotations are there. <laughs> like, oh, this results in that, and oh, oh, that's nice. <laughs> I really like that. Um, <laughs> even though Jericho isn't the, I guess, when you watch AW itself, he is the bad guy taking over that world, but he would see that as his world, like, this is mine. You you will not influence uh, th- with your style on my home. 
uh, which is yeah, yeah. It's like it, both characters have suddenly with like two two promos because it wasn't much before that. Suddenly with those two two promos, it's like both guys. I understand one hundred percent where they're both coming from and where they stand in this match. And there's so much heat behind it, and <laughs> suddenly it's one of the most anticipated of the weekend. Yeah, are you? Uh, how are you feeling towards Tanahashi Jericho? I so I, I have a, my Western brain struggled with it at first hmm. because, again, as you, I mean, you you know me well. I'm I'm primarily predicated on a story, hmm. and for the longest. It, there was no story. Jericho just wanted to take out the top dog. That's a story. I'm not. I'm not saying there's no story, but it was pretty much kind of out there in the open. It was, you know, there was the interest of Jericho saying he was going to retire, dude, and the, well, it's time how she's stepping back. There was all that interest, but now that as you've laid out so perfectly, that there are stakes now, and Tanahashi's fighting back and fighting for his. I don't want to say culture because that makes it a, a more distinct thing but for his his home as you put it his uh his style of wrestling what he believes in what he's fought so hard to preserve um against the evil foreigners because he just did it last year against omega and this year the dude who's wrestling wrestles for omega's company so there's like little extra added hints of story in there now i'm excited for it as far as in ring, I, I, it'll be cool. I, I'm not in 2019, 2020. I love Jericho. He might be one of the best things about wrestling, but I I don't ever care to really watch him wrestle. I just I, I, it's just a, it's I've I've watched Jericho in ECW. I watched Jericho in early WCW. It's just totally different, and my brain can't turn that off. And I appreciate what he's able to do, but more often than not, it's really really. It's really, really mediocre compared to me expecting and seeing excellence every time. Um, and I know that Tanahashi, who is still great, he stepped back a bit. So it's going to be a bit of a different worked match. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't take my excitement away from it. Uh, because what's getting me involved and getting me excited and getting me to the TV to watch is 100% their buildup of their story. And... Is this going to be the bridge that's going to bridge both companies back together? Is Tanahashi going to be the one to do it? Well, if Tanahashi loses, is Jericho going to beat him up so bad he's going to write him out of storylines? Is this Tanahashi's opus, you know, his 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 way to walk out and on his sword? Like, there's so many different little factors, and I'm really interested in how they book it and who wins because I think the winner of this match really kind of is a peek into the eyes of the future of those two companies. If Jericho wins, Tanahashi is basically on his way out, the way I see it. And I know it's an ignorant take because Tanahashi's probably going to be wrestling in 2050. Like, <laughs> that dude, yeah. you know what I mean? He's going to be coming to the, he's going to come to the ring playing air guitar in a, in a wheelchair and then wrestle a five-minute match. Like, that's just, that's him. But it feels like there's a shift here, and Tanahashi kind of sees the light at the end of the tunnel, and it's a lot closer than he probably expected it to be. Whereas if Tanahashi wins, 
well, man, how are they going to do this? Is Tanahashi going to wrestle on an AEW pay-per-view? Is Jericho going to defend the title on a, on a New Japan show? If 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 that happens, well, then are we going to see Archer coming after uh, Moxley after their match? Are we going to see Juice coming over? Are we going to see G.O.D. coming over? Is it going to be more of a, you know, like an invasion type situation? Almost, you know, I'm taking it, I don't know how, 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 far back you were watching or how intricate you were watching, but is this going to be CZW versus Ring of Honor again? Like, how is this going to be? Is it going to be that? Like, I'm really intrigued in all of the peripheral things. The match is kind of just like a necessary evil. The rest of this stuff, that's a, that's enough to make my head spin. <laughs> As you can hear as well, there's so many different paths you can go with this. It does what springs off of it, and then, well, so many different other paths spring off of what springs off of this. It's something that certainly branches out with possibility. Uh, but the, but like, in terms of, like, the, we've talked about, I guess, the, I guess, where we could go in terms of, like, uh, the Western world as well with AEW, and what on earth did that mean <laughs> with that? But uh, in Japan as well, yeah. this is the first Wrestle Kingdom of the new uh, Reiwa era, and uh, Tanahashi has been uh, New Japan's defender for so long. But this mm-hmm. is a new era in terms of like this is not, not in terms of just Japan as in it's a new new era like the Attitude Era or anything like that. This is a new era for Japan overall, and I wouldn't be surprised if I think because we brought up Ibushi earlier. I was thinking it wouldn't take much to shift Ibushi into that role of the guy who wants to defend New Japan, like he's got his lifetime contract with the company as well, and it wouldn't take much for him to say you know what, I lost the title, but I will defend this company. And he steps up in that manner, that kind of way. It wouldn't take much for them to shift him in that role. But first... Well, get, yeah, <laughs> first you need to make New Japan vulnerable and actually in need of defence. And Jericho beating Tanahashi and therefore ending all possibility <laughs> of uh, the massive road in terms of, oh, what if Tanahashi wins? That would be amazing. But if Jericho wins, he's then endangering New Japan. So instead of Tanahashi coming to AEW, it's the other way around. Jericho now has more sway and momentum in New Japan, but Ibushi could be there to stop him in that aspect. Suddenly, like in terms of you're having to cut Tanahashi's legs to elevate uh, Ibushi, essentially, and yeah, 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 yeah. And there's that that outside influence uh, of the new era in Japan. This could be the Vessel Kingdom to do it, or it could be, as Vance said, uh, Tanahashi's going all the way till 2050 and he'll stay as he is. <laughs> Nothing's going to change. <laughs> <laughs> How ironic would it be if, let's say, all, let's say what we're, we're assuming is going to happen happens and, and Tanahashi loses and Jericho kind of is lead. Well, New Japan is vulnerable and there's, there's the possibility of AEW kind of looming and they need a new. Defender and Ibushi steps up in that role. How ironic is it that one Ibushi was the one guy that just refused to to you know commit, and now he's kind of tasked with with the job of defending it. And two, how ironic is it that he's defending it against his his golden lover mm. and his golden lover's company? Oh, don't tease me, Vince. <laughs> I'm saying oh, there is so that's yeah. there's so much mm. in that thought process and you know what i love about ibushi is ibushi has a wonderful conflicted face Mm. (laughs) doesn't he yeah (laughs) yes like you don't know what's going on behind his eyes and i don't know if that's in a good way or a bad way but it works Mm. and his his 
how conflicted he can be in that particular role if they do work together or even tease it. Man, that's gold. And I'm uh, pun intended. I guess pun intended. Yeah, but that's gold. <laughs> well, like the you've seen both sides of it as well, just to show how versatile he is in doing that. With I mm-hmm. guess. You know, one side in terms of happiness and friendship and love with Kenny Omega when he came back to uh, save him and he could see in his face just how conflicted he is and what what, what do we do here? And with the two of them in the ring for the first time in s- such a long time. And you can see the conf- confliction all over Ibushi's face. The other flip side is when he was in the ring with Okada uh, earlier this month and well, not only this month, it's only the second day of January, back in December, <laughs> when he was on the road to. <laughs> last year, yeah, last year. Yeah, last year, year yeah. And uh, <laughs> he's in the ring with Okada, he's holding his G1 case, but it's that same feeling of, you can see the confliction, and also you don't know what he's going to do, and then he just absolutely decks Okada with the briefcase, yeah. <laughs> knocks him out cold. <laughs> and I loved it, I uh, loved it. So, uh, in both aspects, you, you're happily surprised by the hug with uh, and the embrace with Kenny Omega, but then on the flip side as well, like you're shocked and kind of just laughing when he knocks out Okada. <laughs> the complete opposite kind of uh, ending uh, of uh, it, at what is behind Ibushi's eyes and then you get your answer. <laughs> like could not be any more opposite. But it works in so many situations. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a comparison real quick and you're going to think I'm crazy, but hopefully it'll, you'll see some merit in it. Because this one is even crazy for me, but I see them similarly. I look at Ibushi and Bailey as very similar characters. What I mean is Ibushi is very childlike mm-hmm. in his character, right? He's very yeah. He's been very naive. He's he's kind of quite aloof. You know, he's for the longest just been happy to kind of go where things are. He don't get me wrong, when it's time to go, he goes. And he'll do crazy stuff to to go, but and you know Bailey's character. Bailey Bailey's character can almost be looked at as a child growing up. And now this iteration of her character, now that she's turned heel, killed the Bailey buddies, chopped off the the uh, the, the ponytail. You can look like she's like in her adolescence, right, in her teenage yeah. years. Um, I'm not saying that Ibushi is turning heel, needs to turn heel, or even needs to ha- add that much of an edge, but just a little bit of edge in what he's doing. Not just in ring, but where he carries himself. And now that he's in, on the verge of possibly carrying the company, we're we're not giving him enough credit. But he really could possibly end Wrestle Kingdom Night Two as the double champion. Um, you can see with like the things with him hitting Okada in the head with the G1 briefcase and stuff like that. You can see almost him, and for a 40-plus-year-old man, I know it's ridiculous, but you can see him almost growing up in character. Mm. Like, he's really by himself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, he, he, he's, he's, not, he's, not with, he's not in a faction. He's not loosely tied to a faction like Tanahashi, because Tanahashi might not be in, uh, in Taguchi, Japan, but he's, he reps him. You know, he's literally by himself. And his best friend slash boyfriend slash golden lover, whatever you want to call Kenny, him and all the friends that he got cool with left and started their biggest competition. He's by himself. So, like, he's had to grow up this year. That's, in terms of, like, yeah, Ibushi has had to grow up. That's a, and for me, that was like, that's a really good comparison, purely because... Especially when you bring in his match with Tanahashi last year in the G1 Climax final, Tanahashi asked him to step up. When it was that spot where 
Ibushi uh, struck uh, Tanahashi, and Tanahashi just asked for more and more, and eventually just cornered Ibushi before like screaming at his face and really taking it to him. Ibushi, in that moment last year, couldn't step up. This year, yeah. he had to o- overcome so much to defeat Jay White, and he proved he could do it. So, in the course of like one year, his kind of kind of, kind of uh, character and drive has aged so much. He's grown up so so much to get to the point where he's at now, like ready for the main event of January fourth in the Tokyo Dome. Like he feels yeah. like he has earned that spot, even if he's not in the ultimate main event the next night. He has earned that January fourth spot, and where he was last year, where he opened the show, like that is like polar opposite in terms of where he was, in terms of like being strong enough to hold New Japan on his shoulders. He's a lot more trusted now than he was one year ago. Uh, this shows a lot. That's one thing I love about New Japan is when you. It's one of the things where you could see somebody criticizing it, saying, "Oh, what's the story?" Well, that's because you realize it when you look back more often than not. Like, oh crap, there's been an entire arc here, and <laughs> it's played out wonderfully, and it's, it makes it really interesting to write about as well. Like the longer, the longer you, the more you watch, the more you get out of it. I love that about yeah. New Japan. Yeah, and, that's, that's been very well put. And uh, that's in terms of like my biggest comparison to WWE, where in WWE. Uh, they make sure 100% that you know the story. New Japan, <laughs> New Japan don't bother with that. <laughs> just like, what do you mean you need to know the story? <laughs> like, I mean, it would help. Thanks, Gato. <laughs> just like, they've at least started doing promo packages before matches now. <laughs> like that. That's nice. <laughs> we can actually, uh, and they've really fancily done it. Yeah. Like for the main events, the Wrestle Kingdom video packages are amazing. <laughs> so I'm so. Thankful oh yeah, they're excellent. Mm. Yeah. Also, also doesn't hurt that a lot of them are have got like English translations <laughs> as well. Like they realise the audience. Like compared to when I watched, I am talking about when I watched. There was no English commentary, so I was never expecting it. But like just promo packages in Japanese, and I'm like, well, I'll try and associate the I guess tone he's say, speaking with. <laughs> he's, he had a cadence of a joke, <laughs> like that kind of thing. Where mm. I don't understand a word, but now they've done the translation so well. That it seeps through the product. Uh, Kenny Omega Tanahashi, the dual dual translations for the promo mm-hmm. package that worked really well. Um, I, I immediately just assumed that was because it was one English competitor, one Japanese. They so just have both translations show up for them. Uh, so I don't know if they'll do that this year, uh, but it was it was a nice feature. Like, I personally really like that. My first Wrestle Kingdom, and actually my first real foray into New Japan was uh Wrestle Kingdom nine. Uh nine. that's the nine. that's the match when Okada was the champ and Tanahashi beat him in the dome and he walked out ah. crying. Ah yes. Um, that's, that's also the Shinsuke Kota Bushi match, which might be my favorite New Japan match ever, still to this day. <laughs> oh the one um, where uh, JR stood up in his seat after seeing like the second rope German. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. It, it, that second rope German's like I have nightmares about that to this day. <laughs> um but um anyway uh, that's when I because I, I knew what I was getting into that for for just to give you some backstory that uh, show was sponsored by <laughs> you'll get a kick out of this Jeff Jarrett's Global Force oh, Wrestling yes. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, it was on pay per view oh, like traditional pay per view here so I bought it because oh. I I didn't even know they had a streaming service so that was my first chance to actually watch oh, okay. and and I'm very big on watching every every major company's biggest show. If nothing else, I'll give that a chance because that gives me an opportunity to see the best you have to offer. Do I want to keep up with it? And I keep up with almost every major company loosely anyway. Hmm. Um, 
But that Shinsuke Kota match and that AJ Styles Naito match, because that was the first chance I saw. That's the first time I saw Naito like in an actual match. I had seen like clips. Um, but anyway, I, I bring all that up to tell you that even then, the uh, build-up and the uh, promo videos, especially the promo video with Tanahashi versus Okada, and Okada is like with around all this decadence in this <laughs> lavish hotel room, and like Tanahashi's like outside the dome. <laughs> but like you could tell how serious it was, and I couldn't understand anything because it was all Japanese. But you could tell, like, man, they really are putting effort into this. If I could understand, I'd be blown away, but I'm blown away even without it. Yeah. So now that there's actual translations, yeah, I'm 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 excited. <laughs> oh, they've done so well to get this story part kind of across to us rather than us kind of taking stabs at the dark, <laughs> trying to figure it out and guessing other things. Uh, the comedy team as well have done like a fantastic job of getting better and better at telling us not just the short-term stories of that year, but overall and things as well. Uh, Chris Charlton is such a fantastic addition in terms of that. Um, also, this from this year, I've become a really big fan of the guy whose name I've just forgotten. Oh, and Sam will be quite annoyed because he's a bloody native. <laughs> what is... Oh, <laughs> Gino, big Gino. There we go. Oh. Gino Gambino, yeah. Yes. He's been fantastic on commentary. I've generally enjoyed him. Brings a lot of character to it which different commentators over the years have. Like, obviously, you watched back then, you would have heard Steve Carino, who was really good mm-hmm. with Kevin Kelly. Excellent. Uh, Carino was excellent. Like, the uh, big Wrestle Kingdom Carino-Kevin Kelly example I always bring up is the tag team match where Toa Hanare was swearing after every move. <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> and Carino just starts crying with laughter. <laughs> it's <just> so funny. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, then... Um, Don Callis as well was also really good in that role. And now we've got Gino, yeah. who is... Uh, Rocky Romero can't ignore him either. Like They've got uh, in that Gino-Rocky Romero role where... Yes, they're calling the action, but they do so well to inject character. Each person has their individual role, and it adds so much to the commentary. They've really improved it over the course of the years, and I feel like we're at a really good place right now. Just, you know, maybe not... Was it Lanny Poffo they had that one time? It's just, that just didn't work. <laughs> they tried. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so yeah, I put over the commentary. Is, <laughs> I did think maybe most, most uh, is, podcasts would do that. Is <laughs> is Gino still in the Bullet Club? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it, like it's one of those. Um, normally, when it's like a heel commentator, you get a little bit worried. Like um, Don Callis was essentially just like orgasming <laughs> over Kenny Omega and the Elite. <laughs> it's like calm down, God. Like, for me, Gino is the perfect level. Like, he's not aroused, <laughs> but he is enjoying it. <laughs> he's at a decent level. And it really uh, it really does add to it that, that he's found that perfect level. And he's also at a perfectly fine place to bully Chris Charlton and not feel like a dick <laughs> whilst he's doing it. That's another thin line to cross. <laughs> Look, bully the nerd, but don't be a dick about it. <laughs> he, he manages <laughs> to know that. It's he, like he's always when you just look at him, he's just somebody who just gets it. It does like wrestling and the the whole thing. If you've ever seen him wrestle as well, uh, I loved him under his uh, King Gambino gimmick where he really went into it. Like that was like if you want if Baron Corbin needs anyone recent to take notes from, um, like Gino is a fan, was he was fantastic in that King role where you go over the top with everything and you have people carrying you out for you are King. <laughs> I love that stuff. <laughs> I know it gets a lot of crap on the internet. But during the King of the Ring, I was like, 
I really want Baron Corbin to win because I will love him with all that over the top bollocks. <laughs> I will love oh, him like that. He's the perfect king, and I, I, so we've we've done I think a lot in in this conversation. We've kind of compared the Western world of wrestling to the Eastern world of wrestling. The one thing that I think fans of the Western world of wrestling, particularly WWE, have have forgotten is that just because the point of a heel is to not like them at all. No redeeming qualities. And we've gotten so comfortable um, not only liking our heels, but needing to like our heels and saying that, oh, well, he did he did his he did a great job as a heel, but I like him as a person. There's nothing about Baron Corbin that anybody likes. Like, not even there's nothing there's nothing about Tom Pestock that anybody likes. Like, and that's the perfect heel, which is why he was the perfect perfect person for that gimmick. Because there is nothing redeeming about dude. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I may not be like a massive fan of. Uh, no, I am a king, and some of the but that's not him. If that makes sense? Like, it'll be some of the scripts written for him. Take it too literally. Where it's like, no, yeah. Well, as long as he thinks he's a king he's not actually a king but he thinks he is <laughs> dance that line <laughs> don't fight him as if he's actually a king uh, that's not his fault i think he's doing a fantastic job uh in terms of uh in terms of like ranking like when i was brought up earlier that like, each company has one guy that is legitimately hated for wwe it's baron corbin he is mm-hmm. legitimately hated and as much as i complain that i don't really like some of the writing for him I will always just write about how I think he himself is doing a fantastic job. I really rate him there. Uh, I'd even put him above MJF because there are some people who actually like MJF. <laughs> Quite a lot of people. He's in that role of you'll boo him at the show so he's doing his job, but you will talk about how fantastic he is at getting you to boo him. That's you know, where... you know, you know. My issue with MJF is real quick. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, we're already tangenting. My... <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My issue with MJF, I think he's a fantastic talker, but my issue with him is that I don't want to say he's playing wrestler, but like the the I feel like the other three you mentioned in terms of truly hated Callahan, um, Corbin, and Jay White. Hmm. I feel like everything that they're doing to make you hate them comes back to their wrestling, comes back to their to their uh, to their profession. MJF is trying to get you to hate him outside of the realm of wrestling. And that gives away the game to me. Hmm. Like, I, I don't know if you saw the tweet the other day he put out, uh, I guess last year again, where he was talking about how your grandma is dead or something. And <laughs> I did it, not see that. <laughs> like, it's like, right. bro, you're a wrestler. Like, I don't need to hate you on Twitter. Like, you're a wrestler. Hmm. Just talk about wrestling. Hmm. And I think that hurts him because it feels like, to me, he's trying too hard. And just watch the kid on camera, like the the promo battle he had with uh, um, Jericho a couple of weeks ago was amazing. And they were just going out there just riffing. And I've heard good things about his promo last night, which I'll finish sometime tonight. But like, just be you. But like, you can tell like sometimes he's trying too hard, or at least I feel that way, and that hurts him with me. Whereas it don't look like Corbin's trying at all. It looks like he's just being a dick. <laughs> it don't look like Jay White or Callahan's trying at all. It's just like they're being their natural dick selves. Yeah. <laughs> That's what like Jericho and I guess like Randy Orton's another good one where it's almost zero energy for them to be a dick. <laughs> that is Yes. Zero. It's so natural. 
Yeah, and like, yeah, as, as we say, like we have seen that like, MGF can be amazing because we have seen it. Uh, I don't know if part of that is they're just he's not actually wrestling that much. And in terms of if I'm trying to, yeah. as we say, like put everything back into wrestling to like that circle, the circle that feeds into each other. Um, he's not really wrestling enough for the circle to be formed that much. It's one where obviously I'll give it time and hopefully over time that circle will be a bit more formed. But as of right now, it's more promo heavy than it is wrestle heavy. And as we've seen with all these others, be it Sammy Callahan who is champion, be it uh, Jay White who has been champion as well, uh, be it who, Baron Corbin who won the King of the Ring, that counts. There was a It fed back into the wrestling part. We haven't seen that yet with MJF. Mm-hmm. And hopefully... They do that. Yeah, he won the ring, but again, that was like a multi-man man, multi-man man, <laughs> multi-man match. Of sorts. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of with you in that sense of I'm waiting for that wrestle part to click and to happen. the The reason I put him at the bottom of my four kind of top generally hated wrestlers in each, for each company. The reason I put him at the bottom is because it's not fed back yet. It has for all three of the others, and they feel so much better for it. It doesn't really matter, yeah. like in terms of like week to week, how some how the like, the creative is booking them or whatever. I'm talking more like as an actual actor and a character. How how do they actually feel to the audience? And uh, Jay White again, as I said, fans leave the arena. They are so angry that he has won. <laughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> That's awesome. No, That's I, I, awesome. I absolutely love that. Right, I, I think there was. It's before, so we, today was all about kind of the emotion of the fan and the uh, w- watching of the show in that kind of manner. Uh, before we start signing off and closing off and plugging stuff, uh, is there anything on the card that we haven't talked about that uh, you generally you have some kind of emotional connection to? I've just thought of one immediately, <laughs> but I'll let you go first because I'm throwing to it. Is there yes. something on this card that oh, yeah you've just emotionally there's something there for you? Um, for me. Well, first, before I say what what the two matches that I'm mostly invested in, I have to. I'm not invested in it personally, but I know that so many fans are. But the fact that this is Liger's send off mm. is huge, um, and uh, I would have liked to to for him to have had a singles match to send off. But he's in a he's in a eight man and then a, a regular traditional tag. But you know what? It's cool because. I, I would hope he would have had some say in how he went out, given what he's given to that company. But I just wanted to kind of acknowledge that. But for me, Kenta and Goto and my God, Will Ospreay and Hiromu. Man, when when Hiromu came out, like, when I tell you a grown man shed tears, <laughs> like, I literally teared up. Because, like, I love that dude so much, and I was so terrified for his life. Much like Shibata. Mm. You know, when Shibata came out and did the pose, like, like we we really invest in these dudes. You know what I mean? Mm. And, like, they give their genuine lives for us. And when Hiromu fell on his neck, when Dragon Lee dropped him on his neck, I was terrified. Um, so to see him come back and face who probably was an in-ring, the wrestler of the year, for the belt he never lost, like, that's going to be ridiculous. And then I'm also, not only am I invested emotionally, but I'm terrified because both of those two people are clinically insane. (laughs) So they're going to do something that is going to, I'm sorry, not something, many things that are going to make me cringe. And I'm excited for it and terrified at the same time. 
So those are the two matches for me, if I had to add on to what we've already talked, already talked about, that I'm really keeping an eye on. Um, and, of course, you know, Goto's Goto. But with him and uh, Shibata being best friends back to high school and their history, and Shibata hopefully never, ever taking a bump again, that's the perfect match for that. But I know Shibata will be at ringside. So that'll, and I'm sure Fale and Jado will be at ringside with Kenta. So that, like, I'm super hyped about that because Kenta has been a revelation in New Japan. And, um, you know, Goto still, Goto can still go. So they're going to wrestle a great match. Kenta's going to try to break his nose and break his face and all that stuff. But, like, those two matches for me, like, instantly when I saw them booked, they had me. Hmm. Hearing you talk like, oh, what a dive into it again but i'm realizing <laughs> we have got a time limit on the show i'm not going to go forever yeah i'm sorry man sorry <laughs> well i'm probably going to create the same feeling myself <laughs> i'm talking now uh so the the other match that we've not really talked about um both all, all three that i've had brought up i'm again either really looking forward to for i guess sentimental reasons or emotional reasons or i'm just so excited and invested in the story especially will osprey and versus Hiromu. Where, like, in the uh, column I put up today with uh, the other people I already talked about, uh, I wrote it as uh, Hiramu's having to swim up, swim up the already risen tide. But luckily for him, he does not give a crap about his well-being. <laughs> so he will <laughs> happily <laughs> swim up. Oh, he is, Factually true. He is a crazy person. <laughs> so, yeah, so like, that match, in terms of, like, the emotion involved, like, it is... Um, with Hiromu and his return as well is a lot of emotion in there and same with Liger as well with his last two matches and his farewell ceremony is on New Year's Dash on Monday so don't forget about that people uh, before I jump into yeah. uh, my matches I've just uh, randomly remembered uh, if you live in the UK in terms of like start times they don't start at the same time both days the second day is two hours earlier so remember that everybody <laughs> tune in on time second night is two hours earlier and oh, I think it's mu- it's two hours later. I think on uh, New- for New Year's Dash, uh, for- so it's a five a.m. start time for me on Sunday. That'll be fun. Ooh, boy! Ooh, Ooh. Ooh a spicy early one. <laughs> oh, it's going to be interesting. Oh, and I'm out that night as well. That's going to be a long day. <laughs> That's going to be quite interesting. Uh, anyway, oh my goodness! I came dangerously close to plugging stuff, but I've not finished my bit. So, the uh, two, in terms of the matches that I'm really looking forward to that I've not really talked about, they kind of tie into each other in the, I'll call it the Finjuice Saga. <laughs> Which is mm, building up over this. Got you, got you, got you. Yeah. So, on night one, we've got two different matches. We've got uh, G.O.D. versus Finjuice. Um, for me, this is, yeah, it's, I'm not, this isn't one of the matches I'm most looking forward to, but it ties into night two. So there's that match, and then there is also uh, John Moxley versus Lance Archer in a Texas death match, where, mm-hmm. oh, that's going to not be PG. <laughs> no. Gonna, no way. That's not going to be MA. That's going to be rated X. It's going to be dangerous. <laughs> Aside from the five-minute claw spot. <laughs> that claw's getting over. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's not winning, but the claw, oh, the claw will win. <laughs> the claw will get over big. Um Moxie will sell it like the most devastating move in wrestling history. <laughs> oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> That's Archer deserve. He's had a fantastic year and him getting this spot, this is his reward. He's not winning because they have set something else up where kind of, uh, I guess, the fate of what actually happened in uh, real life with, uh, what was it called? 
Hajibis. The Typhoon? Yeah, Typhoon Hajibis, I think it was called. And because of that, John Moxley was not able to defend his championship, and now this match has been delayed till Vessel Kingdom. It feels special. It feels big. You can sense there's going to be that explosion once again when that bell rings. It's really special kind of going into it. But first, you've got, through, got to get through that first violent night on night one, where Moxley, you would think, would be would have a disadvantage given what he's just been through. But also, knowing John Moxley, they're both going to be heated as hell for their match on the second night. So I'm, I'm more, I'm really looking forward to, even though there's like a death match on night one, which is quite interesting to see how they do it in New Japan, because normally when they've done it before, it really feels like a fight. Like the biggest yeah. example, uh, be it, I can I never remember his name, and the young boy's not here to remind me of it. <laughs> um, Power Warrior versus Yuji Nagata. I think it's Kensei Sasaki versus pa- versus uh, okay. Yuji Nagata from 2003. That is a war. <laughs> when I say it's one of those where it just feels like a fight and they just go at each other and it's so bloody. For me, that is the bar at Wrestle Kingdom in terms of what could they go over or under. Purely because that's just a bloody fight. And as they, do, they do such a good job that it really does feel like they're fighting and it's not a wrestling match. But it is a wrestling match, <laughs> which means they've nailed it so much. Which is uh, an absolutely fantastic match. I highly recommend everyone goes and sees. But Moxley versus uh, Lance Archer... I feel like it's going to be violent, but I don't know if it's going to be that bloody because there isn't that animosity. But with Juice and Mox, there is. <laughs> so yes. that that violent feeling is right there with it. And also, like it feels like um, a, a young boy put this in, in the columns. We're kind of stealing this one from him. But I'm giving him credit. <laughs> it's really fine. Right. Uh, but it's, it's always felt like with Moxley that his big goal in New Japan was to get Juice over. Like just to elevate him that bit more. And mm-hmm. Wrestle Kingdom feels like that moment. This is where that happens, and Juice beats Moxley. Uh, Moxley rides into the sunset, but he is allowed to still wrestle on New Japan shows over the course of 2020. So he's likely not going anywhere, really. You still see him on both AW and New Japan. But Juice can be the US champion. And so Sam's kind of uh, put the idea in my head now that uh, Juice would be a pretty damn good choice to pick as your like top guy for the US expansion. He is a fantastic promo, and against Moxley, he really gets to prove himself, especially to the Western fans who maybe don't tune in for the entire year, but will watch Vessel Kingdom, and they see Juice Robinson getting put over by John Moxley. That would be huge. <laughs> that hurt him too as well. Uh, and also, the other note of interest is uh, Juice's fashion. Oh, it's Vessel Kingdom. <laughs> Juice oh, God. Kingdom. Oh, oh God. <laughs> How can you... Oh, how can you do better than the Siberian supermodel that he's had for the past little while? Oh, it's. Uh, I'm looking forward to what he looks like when he comes out. And Juice, uh, Juice dresses like if Elden John and Russell Westbrook got together. <laughs> what a crossover! And picked out his stuff. Yeah, like that's that's the level of Juice type stuff. Mm. And uh, especially if he becomes Juicy Two Belts. And he gets to do his fashion with two belts. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> That's excellent, juicy oh. two belts. <laughs> Imagine the fashion. <laughs> It'll be amazing. Oh, um, oh man. Yeah, uh, so that, that's what I'm looking forward to as well. Uh, surely, we've got to be calling him that after Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> that hashtag was trend. <laughs> it's going to work. It's going to be fantastic. It, it made me laugh. Uh, again, we're writing the column with the Kiss Boys and Sir Sam. And uh, I wrote my part and then I looked at everyone else and like both Jeremy and Josh had already called him Juicy Two Belts. I was like, damn it! <laughs> I thought it was my original one. <laughs> we all thought of it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. But, yeah. oh, God, that's excellent. 
So I am looking forward to the Juice Robinson saga, as I'm calling it, with those three matches. And sorry for Lance Archer, he gets his moment on night one, but night two it's kind of, it feels like this is the moment, the reason for Moxley's arc to build up Juice, it finally happens, and I'm really looking forward to it. Especially as it ties into the US expansion as well. To have Juice as the US champion when that happens, for me that feels pretty big and pretty major, uh, and they can really elevate him with it. And quite interested to see how he succeeds. It feels like, in my head, I'm like, oh, I don't know if New Japan are too late to this party. Even though they've been playing for quite a while, they've not elevated early enough in my head. So I'm feeling like they're kind of back of the pile. But uh, I I still reckon they'll be number three quite easily. That What helps is they're not going to be there every single week. So they don't have to fill out those big arenas that often. That's going to really help them, I reckon. But I can't remember what they said in the press release. <laughs> which is a little bit irritating but yeah I'm looking forward to seeing what on earth it's going to be essentially because I don't really know I've not got many expectations of good or bad because I just don't know I just know they're doing the expansion something's going to happen and Juice being at the head of that doesn't sound too bad for me especially as he can then do Juice versus Lance Archer and if that's your first like big main feud for that little US promotion yeah that should do pretty well <laughs> that should be pretty exciting <laughs> for that one <laughs> yeah Oh, yeah, it's, like, it's, um, it's exciting, yes. It's it's quite exciting. And I did really well not to jump in onto anything else, but the card overall I'm looking forward to a hell of a lot. And we'll get an emotional send-off for Liger on New Year's Dash and the two matches on both nights I'm expecting to be pretty emotional themselves. It's like, no, you're, you're getting teary-eyed thinking about his farewell ceremony. No, not me. No, I'm not thinking back to what Flair's was like. I was... Not quite then either. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, <laughs> uh, it's, it feels like it's going to be like a roller coaster of a weekend, which I'm really looking forward to. And it's only two days away. And for me, it's 20 minutes till midnight. So it's only one day away. <laughs> Pretty much. It's going to be, oh, it's going to be crazy. Uh, so uh, we're now, let's move to the end of the show. Uh, fun as always, talking with KFA Ray Cash. This time about New Japan. A nice change of pace for our conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I I wish more people would ask me about New Japan. Like, I might not watch every single show, but I'm very in tune with it, and I love the product. Uh, it's a very, you know, I, I know those that know me and know the things I talk about and kind of my fandom would not expect me to be a fan of theirs, but I love it. I love their stuff. And so, yeah, it's, it's always good to get a chance to step out of my comfort zone and talk about something I don't get a chance to talk about often. So thank you for that. And we can all have a prayer for him with Naito. <laughs> that his stress levels oh, don't please. get too high. <laughs> you know, oh God, please. You know that that switchblade is getting locked in, and that heart rate—it's <laughs> gonna jump. <laughs> Even if he counters it into a Destino, which would look awesome, <laughs> there's still that opportunity that he gets locked in. It's like, oh, don't you dare, Jay! <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> Ricardo as well, oh, man. Okada is hitting a rainmaker, winning or not. <laughs> That's going to happen as well. It's going to be one hell of a roller coaster. But for me, never mind somebody who's really behind Naito. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. Uh, but anyway, uh, do you want to uh, plug all of your stuff, Kayfabe Ray Cash? Yes, please. Um, I, uh, of course, I'm at It's Ray Cash, R E Y as in Mysterio, C A S H as in Dollars. Um, I am a. I have my own podcast, uh, The Outsider's Edge, that's out at Outsider's Edge SS. And I'm also uh, also um, the producer and one half of the Chairshot Radio podcast at Chairshot Radio. 
I'm a member of the Chair Shot Radio Network. That's at thechairshot.com. And your boy writing columns again. Me and uh, Clive, Clive himself, Brian Kinsella from Social Suplex, we wrote uh, the top 10, uh, top 10 best moments from Full Sail, at, from NXT um, at Full Sail. So uh, look out for that, and I will be writing more. That is my resolution for this year, to write more. So yeah, man, just, you know, I'm around at It's Ray Cash. I tweet a lot more, so yeah, check me out. Don't judge my Twitter for the past few weeks of what it's normally like. <laughs> I have been, I've been <laughs> off it for Christmas. Oh, it's been, uh, yeah, a bit like. So you can follow me on Twitter at the damn Implicat. I'll hopefully try and kick up over Wrestle Kingdom this weekend. Uh, so yes, uh, at the damn Implicat. That's damn as in damn. Oh, I can do the voice again. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> well, my voice is gone with the you know drinking and Christmas. So the fact I can actually do the voice again, oh, it makes me happy. <laughs> uh, anyway, yes, follow me on Twitter there. Uh, as I've already talked about, I was part of a multi-man column that went up today uh, with the Kiss Boys and Sir Sam. Of with us previewing the entire card and predicting every single match on said card. Yes, it's over 4,000 words because of that. <laughs> a lot of matches to get through. So, yeah, if you want to go check that out, it's up on Lots of Pain right now. Uh, also, another shout-out to Clive, who's uh, uh, been going to be getting back into uh, some form of writing since 205 Live messed about or got moved nights, and he's ha- it's kind of like, what does Clive write about? He's getting back into the group. I can't remember what day he's been given. <laughs> this is a little bit irritating, but... Uh, I think I don't know if he let us just call him Clive now. <laughs> it's just like he's lost a two five. <laughs> just Clive. <laughs> Gotta call him Brian. <laughs> what do I call him? <laughs> right. No, not many people will actually understand that joke. <laughs> anyway, no, but the ones that do love the hell out of it. Trust me. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I'll be hopefully getting back into the groove next week in terms of my normal weekly schedule, where I'll talk about all four of the American wrestling telly shows. And I'll post a column on it. I am ready for the Wrestle Kingdom rebound where it feels weird. <laughs> I'm just not into it. It takes a little while. Uh, but it's the road to Royal Rumble. Folk are getting announced. Uh, hopefully the show I'm recording after this helps me get into that groove. <laughs> get excited about WWE again. Royal Rumble's my favourite time of season. Uh, next to, I guess, WrestleMania. <laughs> it's, like, it's my favourite time of year. It just takes a couple of weeks to get there <laughs> after Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, so look out for that. I'll be hopefully back by Saturday next week. Obviously, Saturday this week, I'm a little bit busy. So no column. Not only have I not watched the shows, which doesn't help, <laughs> I'll be perfectly honest. Uh, I am also a little bit busy because it is Wrestle Kingdom. And here on Laws of Pain, we are going to be having LOPR Aftershock shows immediately following both nights. Because Jamman and Jeff are crazy. <laughs> so they've agreed to go live with me uh, immediately following both Saturday and Sunday's Wrestle Kingdom shows. They live in America, yes. <laughs> so they are. it's going to be really early morning. I don't know many Americans who are crazy enough to do that, <laughs> but those are two of them. Uh, so I'll be joining them in my lovely lunchtime whilst they're up at like 7am having not been to sleep trying to do a show. And uh, Jeff said he's doing it just so we can, me and him can finally be on the show together. It's like, oh, that, sweet Jeff, much appreciated. <laughs> that you... If that's the thing keeping you awake, get ready to be disappointed. <laughs> that, that <laughs> Especially for night two, where if I'm getting up at 5am, or will I be a chirpy imp? I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> that's looking to make me happy, it's fine. Anyway, so another thank you to Kayfabe Raycash to give him his on-air name. <coughs> yes. 
<laughs> I do apologize yes. for coughing yes, a gave... bit. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, yes, yes. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me, brother. And I'll be back next week with show to be to be determined. I'll see how Vesa Kingdom goes. I'll see how all that's taken in and what the week is like. But again, I am back for LP Radio. And please do check out the other LP Radio shows. Uh, tomorrow we've got Mathplan and Mazza on the right side of the pond. I've already talked about Saturday and Sunday. Monday, Jamin and Jeff are back again with Kingdom of Honor. Tuesday is Global Revolution with the Wide Wrestling World. Wednesdays is the closing month of Sports Entertainment is Dead for Plans for Retirement Month. Uh, I can't remember who he's got on this week, but he plugs it. I just don't remember. I've got awful memory. And of course, Thursday is back to me. So with that, I bid you adieu. And KF Breakash also bids you adieu. Goodbye. Adios. Ten.